effort thing that you just said reminded me of a horrible first date I went on. Ever since I moved to Orlando, I had to, you know, get to know people. So my first year here, I went on. This isn't a brag. It's a horrible thing. I went on, I went on something like 30 first dates my wow. first year in Orlando. And Never like, had that many dates in my life. I was hitting the apps hard. Oh, I was just, like I made a part-time job out of it. Would you say you were appening? <laughs> hey. Right? Wow. You need to leave the room. <laughs> I swung and I missed. Here we go. But um, <laughs> we were talking about that movie Green Book. Anybody see that? Yeah, it's a great movie. I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, <laughs> but <laughs> that's another one of those conversations. Yeah. 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 What about it? Didn't you think it was great? Um, I, I thought it was just totally off on some points, but she agreed, and I was like, you know, this is Peter Farrelly. This is the guy that did fucking raunchy ass comedies. He's trying to do this race relations comedy. I can forgive him for having a few misses. And she looked at me and she said, you don't get points for trying. And that's when I was like, okay, I've never seen this person again in my life. <laughs> you don't like, get points on. for trying. No. Yeah. You play to win or you don't play at all. I guess that's true. Like, but in the context of race relations, <laughs> no, it's not you got to give up some points for trying. <laughs> it's context, you know what I mean? If we're talking about basketball, you know what I mean? You literally don't get points for trying. But like, when it comes to race relations, I think we're working in kind of a gray area here. For instance, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, also a white supremacist. Yeah. Got points for trying. He got a lot of points for trying, bro. He believed that the white man was superior, but he did fight the Civil War. I can give that up. Was he actually a white supremacist or... Well, he he actually, a quote was, I believe the white man is the superior. Yes, I've seen that quote, right? But but also, Obama, when he was running for office, said against Hillary in the primaries back in 2008, he also said that he wasn't for gay marriage, legalization of marijuana, or uh, universal health care. Oh, let's be which clear. All turned out to be false. Maybe Abraham yeah. Lincoln was just trying to get elected, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, okay, let me be clear. I'm not down with anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just keeping honest Abe the benefit of the doubt, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know, man. 1630, whatever. Uh, that's a uh, lot of doubt to give. It's 1864, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That's that like public school right education there. working hard for you. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Back at it. Ooh, I have to edit that out, don't I? <laughs> No, no, leave it in. <laughs> That's what she said. I'll be here all night. That's it. That's it. Let's get it. I swear to God, we're going to record a couple of That's What She Said. I'm going to hook them up to that drum pad there, and you're just going to be able to trigger them. Yes. Yo, if you guys haven't watched the History Hyenas podcast yet, you have to. It's so fucking funny. They do the soundboard shit every time one of them says something. It's just obviously a joke that's outrageous. Their sound guy hits a thing that says something. It's funny. We had that last night in the podcast. Fucking uh, Eric, nice. the sound guy. What was the drop? Yeah, cha-ching sound. He also had a fake applause thing going on. So, <laughs> so if we did like a good song or something, you just hit that afterwards. It's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> It was good. Yeah, so, I mean, 
you guys were alluding to it. Jake, you have, yeah. a, you have any questions or? Yeah. So how many people were behind the scenes? It was Eric and, and Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. For context, we're talking about your live stream. Yeah. So I have a band called Side Hustle, and we were doing a fundraiser live stream to raise money to finish our album slash documentary that we're doing. And we had my girlfriend Chelsea running the social media stuff. And we had Eric running sound. Eric works at a music venue in Jacksonville called 1904 Music Hall. And yeah, he did he did an amazing job with he that. He did an incredible job, yeah. I have to say. He like, crushed that it. was so on point. Yeah, we were very, very good job. We were listening yeah. back to it as I can't believe we're listening to this through a phone right now. Like, you hear oh. everything. So so good. He hit everything like right on time. He played with all the effects like yeah. perfectly, bro. Eric's a fucking pro, man. He's a pro. Awesome. That dude has worked with everybody from Snarky Puppy, Lettuce. I mean, like everybody oh. in the jam community. I mean, nice. they've, they've all played 1904 Music Hall, and he's been the sound guy there since they opened. So he's I worked with Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So what I'll say about the Jacksonville music scene, not that anybody asked me, there's an asset that it has. And 1904 Music Hall is really an asset because if you think about every other metropolitan city in Florida, there's not really like a good local music venue that puts on these kind of shows that really caters to kind of the local music scene as well. So like in Fort Lauderdale, you have the Culture Room and Revolution, but it's really hard as a local band to get on shows there. Mm -hmm. And Miami has a revolving door of venues that open and close because live music is right. the weirdest yeah. thing in my, I, mm -hmm. I just, I don't get it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And then Tampa, St. Pete area has probably the best scene in Florida, in my opinion, as far as the bands and the mu musicians coming out of there. But again, there's not really a place where you can do these multi-build shows. It's all bars. It's hard to do ticketed events there. There's not really that many venues to do that. Right. Jacksonville has 1904 Music Hall, which is really, it's the best. Yeah. Orlando, here in Orlando has Will's Pub, which is kind of cool. And no disrespect to them. I, mean, I love playing there. It's, it's a great place. But 1904 brings in consistently amazing bands on the come up bands that are even established and they make an effort to put all the hard-working local bands on those bills too mm -hmm. you know so that's just an amazing asset i mean for the amount of work that i put in being there it's paid off so much more than the amount of work that i put in being down in south florida you know what i mean yeah, yeah. oh for sure man. so it's cool yeah. didn't we see diggable planets at 1904. No, we saw oh, them nice. at Asheville Music Hall, but I did play at the Asheville Music Hall yeah. in January. That was a lot of fun. We, but yeah, Tuesday Night Funk Jam. That was when we yeah. went there for my birthday. Dude, you played at that same place? Yeah, back in January. I love that, was that like, place. It was amazing. So you do recommend Will's Pub after all this kind of like as soon as live performances get there. Oh, dude, Will's yeah. Pub is dope as fuck. I Will's know. Pub I... and the new standard here in Orlando. My boy, Matt Laffham, who plays with everybody and their mother he's amazing just one of the best bass players ever he's a monster him and his boy derek plays a band based out of orlando called leisure chief they play at the new standard all the time together and derek's a drummer but also a songwriter and a singer we played with them at a festival called old gooden a few months back they filled in for aaron and, and sean and nice. that was the most fun I've had on a gig on a long, long time. Yeah, they were awesome, bro. They're fucking animals. They were so much fun to play with them. Yeah, so the new standard. Check it out. No, check it out. You still in contact with St. Matthews? I actually had no communication with that club. That was done through an outside promotion company. Promotion company stopped working with them. There's there's definitely some politics involved, but I don't know what went down. I didn't ask for no reason. Yeah. That, that place yeah, is... No, I know, of course. Yeah, I know. I, I know what you're, you're trying to get the dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't got it. <laughs> 
what do you think about Facebook Live overall, pros and cons as a streaming platform? I think that right now it is the most sophisticated one that I've been able to use. I think Twitch is super sophisticated also, but the fact that Facebook's a multi-faceted platform makes it just, I think, your reach a lot better on it, yeah. especially if you have an established following on there already. It's very hard to monetize. It compresses the files down to a point where the video quality doesn't matter really what you do. It's not going to be great because we record everything onto the camera and that quality is immaculate. When you mm -hmm. look on Facebook Live, there's a little bit of fuzz yeah. and stuff. It's the same thing with Twitch though, unfortunately. Yeah, Twitch is like that too. Yeah. It's so annoying. But as, overall, as a streaming platform, I think it's pretty, it's super easy to use. I'm comparing it really more to Instagram, which is not uh, not sophisticated at all yet. Um, I don't really know any other platforms to live stream from other than Twitch. I'm sure there's a couple other ones out there. But my experience with Facebook Live, it's been pretty easy. And we have a following, so we can reach right. all those people so, pretty easy. So, but that's what I would say is that if you don't have that following on Facebook, though then you're not really getting anywhere, right? You're only gonna be broadcasting to the select group of individuals that already supports you and it's not necessarily growing not, as much. No, not really though, because people can share your yeah, videos, which share. is what we pushed last night. We had 85 shares on our stream last night. So not just them sharing on their platforms, but they can also share to different Facebook groups a really popular thing right now with bands is creating their own groups, not just their pages, but groups where they can you know, invite people to and they can post within those groups and you get direct contact with your bands. Uh -huh. So what we're able to do with the streaming through Facebook is have people take those streams and share them in the groups on top of sharing them on their own personal pages. So you reach an entire community of people right, you right. would not normally reach. Right, no, that's, that's smart. What I'll say about Facebook is that it's getting aged out. So if you want a sustainable, younger market, you're going to have to move off of the Facebook platform at some point, which is what we're trying to do with Twitch. And we haven't been able to really execute that properly yet. It's all so new for us still, so yeah. we're still figuring it out. Question. It is weird. I imagine this is probably because of Adka, but I don't hear people talking about YouTube Live a lot. I watch a lot of YouTube Live streams because that's the platform I use for streaming video the yeah. most. But YouTube's the best. You need a thousand subscribers to your page. Oh, that's there's a barrier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So YouTube is a uniquely difficult social media platform because it's not so interactive, right? Mm -hmm. Most people are just on there looking up their videos and whatever. You have to really be providing some serious content for people to want to subscribe to your page and get notifications about when you're uploading yeah. new things. Twitch is definitely going to be bringing that younger audience, but do you want that kind of audience? Because the audience really has to allow you to be able to interact yeah, with them. Audience matters, of course. It, so, it matters, definitely, yeah. So first off, uh, if you want to know about Twitch, Johanna is definitely the person to ask about that. Just before I pass it off to her, I will say the virus has disrupted the market in a way that nobody saw coming. Okay. So we have to assume that the market is going to go towards content that you're producing. We can't be relying on live shows to make money anymore. Right. It can become a viable source of income again at some point, but right now we have to make sure that we're producing content that people can see and have access to. It's all about access to you and your content. Yeah. So Twitch will become the new platform because again, Facebook is getting aged out. There's going to be another streaming platform. Jahan can really get into the nitty gritty about Twitch, I think, better than I can. I've seen the come up to Twitch because of the people that I see 
streaming online. Mm. And that's just a unique thing overall because we're watching people play video games. It's very uninteractive. Video games should be interactive, but seeing another person playing a video game, and they use personality to really draw people to watching them. Is that the audience that you want? Those are video games. So it depends on the service yeah. you're providing, right? Yeah. So, so Twitch has multiple categories that you can stream in. And as of right now, actually, the music category is like not where you want to be. The just chatting category will overall get more people than other categories. What do you mean yeah. just chatting? Okay, if you go on Twitch, you have to enter your tag into a category. So you could do music and performing arts, or you could do just chatting, or you could do Dauntless or Fortnite or whatever game, whatever you're, playing. game you're playing. So sometimes it works to go into a game and just fuck around if you're playing a game, but then you can actually turn that to something else. You don't have to just play the game. You could start playing music or mm. other way around. Okay. You could start off in the just chatting category, which is what I do, which is a hack. I love hacks. That's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. If you go into the just chatting and then you, you're hanging out and you're just talking to people, whatever, for 30 minutes, then you're like, oh, I'm going to yeah. play guitar. And you just turn that into that and then do a song, chat, half song, chat. So that's what I'm saying. It depends on the type of service you're providing though, right? Yeah. She's providing impromptu jams. I'm going to make up a song about you right now, whoever just entered right, my chat. Cool. You know what I mean? That's it's a different kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Rather than here, I'm just going to play my music, you listen, and then we talk yeah. about it. You yeah. know, you could play a like song with emotion and then people will be like, whoa, cool, that's awesome. And they'll cheer you on. People are very supportive on Twitch. Right. Even more so than any other website, more so than Instagram and well, Facebook. And because it's super easy to monetize. So if you're if you're interactive and yeah. you're, you're proactive on there, then you can monetize your channel. Nobody on Twitch is just there. You're probably a content developer, would you say? <laughs> yeah. Content <laughs> developer. Go back to Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what it is essentially though. You're a content creator, creator basically, yeah. yeah. Can we all just be <laughs> artists so again? Yeah. You asked about the base of people that you want to reach. Is that the audience that you want to reach? I'm not thinking about what's there right now. Right. I'm thinking about who's going to be there right. in you know, a year from now. Yeah. So how do we get from here to there, right? I think part of this is reestablishing what TV is, taking advantage of the fact that it's called twitch.tv as right. well, mm -hmm. and start pitching it as a way to watch like the new real live TV. This is the new reality television. I feel like live reality television. unscripted you know stuff I mean? is definitely more organic than anything. Right. So like you can, I mean, Truman Show shit. I think that's what we kind of have to do is try to restructure this idea yeah. that this yeah. is a new TV platform, basically. Right. It's like so taking the power back, it's, it's, guys. It's inevitable that that's what's going to happen. If we're not doing it, somebody else is going to do it. Yeah. So like, yeah. you have to kind of just go with what everybody's doing, unfortunately. But that's also not a bad thing because the model of Facebook has been there for, what, 15 years almost? And they're trying to adapt, but they're not catching the younger generation. The younger generation doesn't want to be on the same platform that their grandparents or that their parents are on. It's right? awkward. That's the whole thing. They're figuring out new ways to do it. And Twitch is the new way to do it. And the fact that music might be oversaturated on there right now, you have to still do it. That's why you have yeah. to do it. Yeah. But I'm saying doing a different category. Yeah. We're right? both categories. Right. You know, right. Whatever. Mix right. it up. On the <laughs> subject of music, not to shit on everything, but I'm personally just not a streaming guy. As much as I love your guys' content, whenever I see people I know streaming, that just reminds me that I got to go work on my shit. <laughs> so that's why I personally love on-demand content like podcasts, blogs, or shit like that, because 
that shit I can listen to while I'm cooking or working out, doing other things with my hands, like that's, right. that's just as relevant. Yeah, masturbating, you know. <laughs> that's just as relevant as streaming is right now. I don't know how to measure just as. I think there right. are two completely different things. Some people are just more in tune with the streaming environment. I think those are people that are more consumers, which is not a disparaging term. But I think right. if you're a creator, you're so, you don't yeah. have time to watch streams. So ideally you have <laughs> yeah. both. Which is where, what I wanted to get to. I think, I mean, this is the most successful model I've seen. Build a satisfying library of on-demand art. Mm -hmm. Right. And then once people get familiar with that, open up to them via stream. Oh, because okay. I think fishing right. for strangers on a live stream, it works, but it's a gamble. Right. But if you right. can just pinpoint the people that already like your stuff mm -hmm. and then let them know where you are for the stream, right. there's no guesswork in there. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's so, a great point. You are correct. But if you already have a base of people there, where I think it's all going is accessibility. People want to have access cool. to what's going on. If they're invested into a band, right. they want access to that band. Right. right? Mm -hmm. No, no, you're saying what yeah. I just said. You already have the base. Right. Now that you've developed your content, your then art. You do the streaming. Now that you have your shit. <laughs> wow, imagine that. What, <laughs> your content art shit. Now that you have it, <laughs> people know who you are and they're interested in you. So right. yeah, right. stream away. And especially right now, uh, music isn't the only thing that's saturated. There's a lot of people just trying to talk into cameras right now and get attention. Yeah, it's, like, it's all saturated. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I personally think building a strong library that once this is all over, you can right. slowly trickle it out exactly. and people can look back on your progression or demise through this right. time. <laughs> That's cool. the name of the game, a backlog of content. That's right. how you right. do it. A touring comedian who's doing a podcast these days, before this whole quarantine, Joe Rogan would do, let's say, three or four podcasts in a week, and he would release those podcasts over the course of a month because he's on the road. He doesn't have time to do all that shit. Right. The name of the game is backlogging backlog. your content. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Right. That's how and I've survived this far, man. To, sure. to even get that back to a more ground-level worker analogy, like... I have to make backlog content because when business is going and I'm like doing 50, 60 hour weeks, I don't have time to stream. Of course. Like I just yeah. got to have this shit ready to right. release. So That's what's going to happen with right. us too. Once we get back on the road again, we might not be able to do everything live or we're going to have to do stuff live from a hotel room. Like sitting there, okay, well, we're going to be out for, you know, you know, a week or something. So let's do one or two episodes right now and we'll release it as, you know, like a non-live stream or something. There's a comedian whose name is Andrew Schultz. He is a brilliant business person and I've taken a lot of what I'm trying to do from the comedian community in general, but this guy is building it like an empire. And his whole thing is it's all about clips. You do a show and you get your clips mm -hmm. and you upload your clips to YouTube that's and you it. get them to go to your Patreon or wherever. And then that's how you get them to pay for the real content. This is something he's been doing for the last few years now. He released his own special on YouTube, made a ton of money doing that because he called the shots. It was his channel. He got to do whatever he wanted to do, made a bunch of money. Now he's producing shows and producing other comedians and all kinds of stuff. So he's doing really well for himself. The major shift that's happening right now, this was already happening, but this kind of expedited the whole thing is that now it's all about paying for access we have patreon we have stitcher we have all these different ways to release podcasts and content we have to put them through paywalls now because as an artist you can't really rely on live shows anymore to make your money whether you were a gigging musician in a bar or your lady gaga 
you are relying on live shows now because the record industry is what it is and streaming doesn't pay for shit. Right. This virus has disrupted that entire idea, yeah. right? So now for everybody from the pop industry to the lower echelon DIY bands are all trying to figure out what the next move is. And 100%, the next move is paying for access. That way, when something like this happens again, as it inevitably will, maybe not in our lifetime, but it will, we have a safety net. And also it creates extra revenue because think about this, okay? If I'm playing at a venue and the venue is a 400 cap room, I can oversell that show by about 100 people because we're gonna bet on people not sticking around the whole time. We're gonna bet on people taking cigarette breaks. The room's not gonna be at max capacity the whole time that you sell that show out. So if you're a 400 cap room, you can maybe sell 500 tickets and be okay. Maybe more than that. If I can also stream that and then have people pay through a paywall on Patreon, We've just added another source of revenue on top of that show, right? So people that can't get out that night, they have to watch their kids or they don't feel like going out. They've subscribed to your Patreon through a $20 paywall or a $15 paywall, and then they can just log in and watch the show. So not only do you have your revenue coming from that show and from merch sales, you also have the revenue coming from the Patreon as well. And every time that you promote that, that's another potential person that will come and pay for access to that show. This is what it's all about. It's producing content and making people pay for the access, I think. Mm -hmm. What kind of YouTube content do you guys think is most effective uh, well, at, at you, getting to people and sticking to their minds? You've seen me, dude. I'm all about the on-site interview genre. Mm -hmm. If you have not seen All Gas, No Breaks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all Gas, No Breaks. Yeah, just any episode. It's incredible it's what like, you see. He's just a young cat in an oversized suit that goes to different conferences and conventions. He just puts a microphone in front of people and lets them do their fucking thing. <laughs> awesome. So that's what you're kind of saying stuff like that um, yeah i like that i also like hyper edited interviews um yeah. like you saw from yeah, that yeah, much yeah, dank yeah. channel yes. <laughs> um, going back to the whole content and backlogging all of those things i think with the niche that everyone can find themselves is really just being able to record whatever kind of points that you have to make. We like to have long dialogue or that long source of dialogue. How do you feel about animated content on YouTube? What I'm thinking about is like right now this podcast. We're recording this and there's no visual. Some people simultaneously release their audio feeds as RSS where podcast listeners can get it. Right. And they put it on YouTube just with a blank background. Right. That's some of that. the highest played content on YouTube. With nothing? Just a background. Most, most people are listening to podcasts while they're driving, you know, so they don't really care about the videos. But I'm thinking in terms of reaching the widest audience. You can absolutely just have the audio. People don't need to look at the visuals, right? But for those people who do thrive on visuals, to have something that will keep them as well. Having the option is always better. That'll that's get more people. Right. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. That's kind of how I'm thinking thinking about it. I feel like everything you do, I mean, try to cast the widest net. The only problem I would say with the difference between live talks and audio only talks is you get all the flaws. So you get all the pregnant uh -huh. pauses. Well, and all, you that, can cut yeah. all that too. Not when video's involved at all. Yeah. Of course you can. Yeah, if you're doing animated video, you can. Okay, I thought you were talking about shooting video. Animated oh. video is a different thing. Either way. But you're talking video. about animating talks? 
Yeah, why not? That sounds involved. Animated right. avatars filling right. in for our... Okay. So I think that's a super cool idea just because yeah. I think that we're going to get to a point where we're going to have avatar representation for Absolutely. people. Absolutely. We already do. Yeah, we do. Right. If you buy a new iPhone, you create your avatar. Yeah, right. Insane to me, right? But that's that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. I'm not going to pretend to know. Like, I know, like, the trends and, like, where they're going to go from there. But I think it's a really cool idea. And I don't see why you wouldn't want to explore that option. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could lead to something. If you have the resources, if you know somebody who's right. into, like, cartoons making whatever animation animation. i'm not an animator so i can't speak on it so take for example have you guys ever seen spirit science no it's kind of interesting um little out there but it's very very basic animation like 10 frames Mm -hmm. 10 frames you see brennan schaub's animated stuff on youtube no he'd be telling a joke and they had like animations going with the joke it's like their mouths aren't moving it's literally picture here, okay. picture there. Yeah, and, yeah. And I like your collaboration with the people that are taking your spoken word and then putting it with a visual. I think that's fantastic. If they can imagine that voice into whatever that visual is, right. that's a fantastic tool. Bringing up another YouTube, I watch video game animation describing different visuals throughout video games to make them more entertaining. They do take a lot of the caricatures from Disney movies, like making more things animated with moving images throughout. If it's just a spoken word or voice, the animator can bring it to life. That's the key though, right? If you can manage to bring it to life in the right way, it's better to merge the different arts if possible. You're casting that net as wide as possible. You're capturing more people with that. So this goes back to my education background, the theory of multiple intelligences. Not everybody is a good fucking carpenter. You know what I mean? Everybody is good at different things. Everybody has certain intelligences that they are prone to. Cater to that. Be more visual, more kinesthetic, you know, show some kind of movements involved because people can connect to movements. People want to hear the sounds. People want to see the visuals. Some people say, I'm an auditory learner. Some people say, I'm a visual learner. You have all these types of people, right? Why not? If you have those resources, maybe hopefully we can reach out and do that. I'm not opposed to the idea, but I don't think one should inhibit the ability of the other. So it's fine to release an audio only stream. And then a few days later, once the animator catches up to the process, release the audio with the animated stream. Well, not only should you do that, but you should put it through a paywall where you can do a $5 thing where you just get the audio and then a $10 subscription gets you the audio with the visual as well. Right. You know, whatever that visual might be. Might as well explore that option. I think really where we're headed towards 100%, it's been here for a while now, but now everybody's being forced to move to the pay for access. Patreon does a really good job of having tiers. $5 gets you like the clips. $10 gets you the full episode. $20 gets you the full episode uncensored. $25 gets you this access plus some merchandise. The whole thing is to have levels of contributions. Also, what you can do is you can upload that stuff immediately to Patreon or whatever platform you want to use, and then two weeks later upload it to YouTube because people are paying for immediate access. It's all about access to content. That's where things are heading to. That's literally my entire business model with Side Hustle right now. I talked to my manager earlier today on the way here and we had a really good talk. We have a very, very concise idea of where we want to take this and how we're going to do it to adapt to what's happening here. Comedians had it on point for a long time with the podcast and their Patreons and they've been doing it and they're super lucky. The rest of it, like musicians have been able to gig and do their thing and you know sell records or whatever. 
and have been, you know, slacking on that end. And now it's our time to, to join into that side of the industry. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Good point. This is an idea just I'm having right now, but like Spotify and all those platforms are great to get your music out there. It's all about volume. Once you get enough streams, you can start making it real revenue. But I mean, if you can release the music on your own platforms and just skip the middleman, right, mm -hmm, right, then yeah. Right. I mean, that's really where the money's yes. at. You realize record labels are making, this is not an exaggerated number, record labels are making a million dollars an hour off streaming. That's amazing. People act like Spotify and Pandora and iTunes are taking all the revenue. No, no, no. Labels are making the fucking money on streaming. Whether it's through Patreon or whether it's through your own website, really the idea is to get people to your website because you own that platform right. completely. You don't have to siphon off anything to anybody, yeah. right? But Patreon's a really good place to get a subscription model to your own shit because people can go there and also explore their other interests. If they go to your website, they have to go to your website and that's it. That's what they get. Patreon's really cool because like if I'm listening to Side Hustle, now I want to jump to a comedian or something. I want to jump to somebody else. Like I'm already here, right? right? And Patreon takes virtually nothing at first it's kind of a hit but when you start making some money what they take is a couple points on what you're making which is nothing it really is where where it's going to ideally you want to have both you want to have patreon you want to be able to do it through your own platforms through your website and all that it's all about access and people paying for the access there's no more free videos you're not getting free shows anymore online you're paying for the access that's what it's all about I think you have to put some free content out. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why you put one song from a show out. You put clips of your podcast out. Our YouTube now is full of just clips from Bottom of the Bill podcast, clips from shows. Right. If you want the entire show, you're going to go to Patreon, you're going to pay 10 bucks to get that content. Right. Of course, you need some advertising and it's going to cost you some money. It can also make you money because if you get these subscribers and you get the ad placements on YouTube through clips and shit like that, then that's just revenue coming in. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely, man. So when's the OnlyFans opening? Hey. Huh? Your OnlyFans, only when fans. are you opening it? Only fans. Oh, and <laughs> Look it up on your own time. Wow. That was great, though. Onlyfans.com. Oh, my God. Oh. That's a porn site, Onlyfans.com right? slash side hustle. <laughs> That's it. I got it. We're signing him up tonight. Sign me up tonight. <laughs> Chelsea will be thrilled. <laughs> they need to tell Billy to get them nuts out. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh god he's not, he, he's not here to defend himself it would be right <laughs> that was so good alright all we got about 3 hours 11 minutes wow. I, I think that's a good 11. time to uh, 11. 11 of it I know I dig it that's good wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow you all have been dating for a while yeah <laughs> Um, <laughs> We've been 311 fans for a while. That is My the uh, quarantine session. I'm Jake. What's up? I'm Katana. I'm Lee. I'm Anton Plume. Check me out at AntonPlume.com or AntonPlumeMusic.com. <laughs> and you can check me out at uh, IG uh, wow. at Anton Plume. Wow. And you can check my band at Patreon, Side Hustle the yeah, Band, and, and, and OnlyFans as well. <laughs> you fucking, yeah, you told me, bro. I got, I'm shameless over here. That's where you should check him out. He's so shameless. Only fans. Only That's only Great show. <laughs> All right, goodbye. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. And if you like what you've heard, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at The Art of Blind Spotting. You can also visit theartofblindspotting.com. Send an email to Jeff at theartofblindspotting.com if you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, complaints, hate mail, whatever. Remember, check your blind spots.